0: Welcome to the Power in Motion podcast. I'm your host, Kim Hagel, certified personal trainer, non-diet nutritionist, and body image coach. And I'm on a mission to help all women break free from body image hangups so they can do the amazing things they are called to do in this world. If you're looking to feel healthy, happy, and confident without dieting, restriction, and punitive workouts, or obsessing over the scale, you're in the right place. Let's lace up our runners and go for a walk while we chat. Hey, friends, welcome back to the Joyful Movement Show. This is episode 46. I'm your host, Kim Hagel, registered holistic nutritionist and non diet personal trainer, and I'm on a mission to help women heal their relationship to exercise and find that motivation to move simply for the good feelings that it brings so that we can have a joyful, consistent movement practice peace with food, and confidence in the body that we have today. So, I just came back from a run, and I gotta tell you, sometimes I have these most amazingly creative brainwaves while I'm out running, like... Seriously, I kind of think like a whole podcast episode just downloaded into my brain while I was out there. And of course, now that I'm back, my logical brain wants to kick in and overthink things and nothing's flowing as easily as it was out there. Maybe I should just start recording on the run. Anyway, while I was out, I was thinking about my relationship with running over the last several years and how it's evolved and is still evolving. And I wanted to share some of those insights with you because I think it's really relevant as we are talking about and exploring this whole concept of joyful movement. And as I'm sure you know, there's so many nuances within that term, and it can even be a really loaded term, a triggering term, as you learned in last week's episode with our interview with Gemma. She shared about how her experience with exercise in the past and the weight stigma and body image story that she had shaped her whole sense of self and how that turned into negative self-talk that made movement seem anything but joyful. So I kind of wanted to unpack some of these things uh, that Gemma shared and of my own experience with running over the years and how our own self-talk influences our feelings about movement and our ability to access joy. And then even some of the nuances within that word joy itself, because there's a commonly held belief, I think, that joyful movement means that we've got to be in this state of eternal bliss every time that we're moving our body and that nothing should ever feel challenging or difficult. And there's definitely a lot more to it than that. So that's what I want to dig into today is all of those little nuances, and especially our self-talk, the things that we're saying inside of our own head that shape how we feel about movement and how we're able to experience joy. Hey friend, I totally get how lonely it can feel as you're trying to heal your relationship with movement. When your social media feed is littered with Fitspo, before and afters and weight loss challenges, it can be really hard to figure out what moves you. I know that community is one of the main motivating forces and that being surrounded by like-minded women on the same journey can be really helpful in making lasting sustainable changes. So if you want less Fitspo and more body kindness, come join us inside my free Facebook group, The Joy Movement Show community. Inside, you'll be surrounded by women just like you who are exploring how to move for more than just weight loss. I'm in there too, answering questions and cheering you on. Come join us inside the Joyful Movement Show community, and I'll see you on the inside. Now, as you all know, I'm big into mindset, and I believe that when we have struggles in our life, whether it's with running or getting active in any way, or our relationship to food, or really anything else. It's not really the struggle itself that's the problem. It's our thoughts about the struggle that cause our distress. Because our thoughts shape how we feel, and that in turn influences how we will behave or engage with the struggle. So I'll illustrate this point today with my own running story, and we'll even talk about Gemma's interview last week with the goal of getting you thinking about how your own self-talk and your own thoughts are affecting your enjoyment of movement. As you heard in last week's um, interview with Gemma, movement was never really something that she felt she was good at. In fact, she had a belief that she had to be good at it, or it had to be easy And when it wasn't, she interpreted that as something was wrong with her. Her self-talk was, I'm fat, I'm lazy, I'm unfit. And all of that means I'm less than and I'm no good. Even so far as to say, I'm a bad person. Those were the thoughts that were going on in her head. So her overall belief was, why would I bother? And yet she had this conflicting voice that told her she should exercise that the way to feel better, get fit, get healthy, fix all of her health conditions was to get active. So she felt ashamed of her body and her lack of fitness and also guilty about not doing what she thought she should be doing to fix herself. So those are two really unmotivating emotions, guilt and shame. Understandably, then, Gemma felt very little desire to exercise, and when Gemma would try and increase her activity and it would be challenging, that very negative self-talk, that critical voice that believed she was fat, unfit, lazy, and bad would become very loud in the face of challenge, and she'd quit, which only served then to reinforce her beliefs that she was no good and didn't deserve health, self-care, or any good feelings. So Gemma's work wasn't to drum up willpower and just force herself to get moving and be disciplined and just do it. Her work was in transforming her belief that she was broken and needed to be fixed. And that's exactly why I focus more on mindset in my programs than just teaching people how to move. We've all tried enough programs. We've all done all of the things. We know that it's not just that we haven't found the right one yet and we need to be more disciplined. The work starts in our mind. So in starting to identify diet culture's influence on her life and how the stigma she faced caused her to believe she was unworthy, then Gemma was able to start rewiring her brain to believe in her own self-worth. She was able to gradually see that negative self-talk as not her own voice, but the voice of patriarchy and diet culture. She was able to start building evidence that she could move her body and felt safe doing so. She shifted from an I'm broken and I need to be fixed mindset to I'm enough just because I exist mindset. She started believing that she could make her own rules about what's best for her and her body, and that she could challenge herself and feel physical sensations in her body and know that they meant nothing about her worth. So then back to me with my own relationship to running, like I say, it's really evolved and it's still evolving. And I'll share a bit about that and how my own self-talk influenced my running behavior Back when I started running about 10, 11 years ago, it was all about proving something. I've shared with you before that I was never athletic growing up. I was picked on and excluded from things because of my lack of ability. And running was always the thing that I struggled with most. Everyone was faster than me, and I'd get out of breath when I'd try to keep up and I'd have to stop, and then I'd get left behind. So my early self talk was, Running is hard, but it's supposed to be easy. It's easy for everyone else. And because I can't do it means I'm not as good as the other kids and I don't get to play with the other kids. And therefore, I don't have any friends. So that belief system kept me avoiding anything athletic for some 30 years. I focused on what I knew I was good at, academics. But then fast forward a few years when I started working with a personal trainer, and this is 10, 11 years ago, and she asked me about my goals. And I said, I wanted to learn how to run. And I felt like if I could do that, if I could conquer this thing that was so hard and caused me to feel inadequate and like I wasn't good enough as the other kids, that maybe I'd feel proud and accomplished of myself. And it did start out that way. I followed a plan and I gradually worked myself up to running my first 5k. I did it safely, I did it smart with the help of my trainer, and when I did it I did feel so proud and accomplished. But something in my mind, that critical voice said, well anyone can do 5k if they train, it's really not that big of a deal. And it's not really enough to just be able to do what anyone else can do. You've got to be better. You've got to be faster. And then you'll be successful. Then you'll have proven yourself. Then you'll earn the approval and praise of everyone who ever excluded you. And that's when I started training for races. And I mean, I trained. I was already a personal trainer by that point so I researched it. I figured out the best ways to train for speed and distance and I dedicated myself to the process. I was all in with nutrition, all of the workouts, strength training, speed work, hills, all of it. But there was very little joy in the training. In fact, I battled injury after injury and this might be TMI, but my nerves leading up to races were so intense that I'd have insomnia and such bad digestive upset that I almost couldn't compete. But I would, would I ever? And most times I did quite well. But that feeling of pride and accomplishment I felt after my first 5K it was very fleeting. I'd still find something to be disappointed in. I'd still always feel inadequate, whether it was about my performance itself or some other random circumstance of the event. Looking back now, I know that my self-talk was all about needing to prove myself, that I must push through, that I must win or at least get my personal best time. And if I didn't, then I did something wrong. See, like Gemma, my actions were fueled by fear, shame, and inadequacy, but I engaged with those emotions in a different way. Instead of avoiding activity, I used willpower. I forced myself to get out there, to put the work in, to train, and be disciplined, but I still never felt good enough. And when I kind of reached my, my peak performance with my racing, and despite my best efforts, I could no longer beat my personal records. I saw that as failure, and that's when I stopped competing. My self-talk was, if you're not the best, you're a failure, so why bother? I felt defeated and inadequate again, so I quit racing. I still kept running though, because it was an easy way I felt at that time. After putting in that amount of training, running had become relatively easy for me, and it was a way that I could control my weight. My self-talk at that time was more along the lines of, I need to stay in shape, if I quit running, I'll gain weight, and what will people think of me if I do? Still a very critical voice rooted in fear, and as we've talked about on this podcast lots of times before... When we have weight loss or body management goals of any kind, it's the number one motivation killer. And definitely that was the case for me. It was a struggle to push myself out the door. A lot of willpower was required and I really didn't enjoy running all that much. So then fast forward to about two years ago. That's when I realized I needed something different in my life. I was over trying to control my body through exercise and restricting food. I didn't have the mental energy for for it anymore. And I really just needed to figure out how to be healthy and happy and stop being at war with my body. And that's when I found the non diet movement and began doing this work myself. And part of my healing just like I coach all of you guys here on the podcast and my clients, was disconnecting how I moved my body from the need in my mind to burn calories or the desire to lose weight. So for a long time as I was doing that internal work, I didn't run. In my mind, I couldn't think of any other reason to lace up my shoes other than needing to burn off something that I ate or to make sure that my clothes would still fit. And I knew how that self-talk made me feel. I had started to work the self-coaching model and I knew that if I had thoughts of I need to burn calories or I need to control my weight, that it caused me to feel inadequate and ashamed. And then that would play out in struggling to feel motivated, feeling the need to push myself harder than my body needed to go that day, not connecting or listening to my body, focusing on metrics like speed, distance, and calories burn, and really not having any fun. So I made the decision to just not run for quite some time. I had to do the work of looking at my own limiting beliefs about exercise, food, and my body. I had to figure out for myself that I was worthy just because I exist, that my worth had nothing to do with how well I performed, how fast I was, or what I would accomplish, or even what my body looked like. I had to get honest about my why, to listen to what my inner critic was saying and take a real honest look at my self-talk and how that was making me feel and behave as a result. And guys, here's the honest truth. There's just no place for joy when guilt, shame, and inadequacy are running the show. As long as you're approaching movement from the place of needing to fix yourself or needing to prove yourself, you're never going to be able to access true joy with movement. It's always gonna be a struggle and you're going to interpret every negative feeling, outcome or results as evidence that you're not good enough. Like Gemma, when she got out of breath, she'd see that as evidence that she's fat and out of shape. When in reality, Everyone gets out of breath, especially as you're working on a new skill or trying to improve your fitness. It's normal to feel short of breath or have your heart pound or have your muscles become tired. That's the body's response to challenge and everybody feels that when they challenge themselves. But our inner critic will think of it as proof of our inadequacy. Similarly, with me, if I wasn't the best, or at least my best, I'd see that as evidence that I still sucked at sports, that I wasn't athletic and therefore not good enough, or if I wasn't actively trying to control my body size and shape, that it meant I was letting myself go. Discovering joy for movement is so much more than just finding your thing. I mean, that's part of it, but it's much deeper. It's about listening really closely to your own self-talk and digging into what you're believing about yourself that's getting in the way. That's where the transformation happens, in the mind. And if you're listening and going, yes, that's me, then I encourage you to book a call with me to discuss Discover Joyful Movement and how I can support you to do that big mindset work so you can experience the same kind of transformation. Because here's the thing when we do that work to change our self talk by believing in our own worth, then we can engage in movement in a whole other way. You heard how Gemma was able to hike the hills of Scotland, which were very challenging physically, and just be in her body. She was able to neutralize feeling breathless and tired and know that it didn't mean anything about her. Yes, it was challenging but her body was okay. She could do it. And then she was able to take in all the beauty around her instead of feeling like a failure and quitting and missing out on that wonderful experience. And me with my running, after a bit of time away from it and working my mindset, I now know that when I'm not running for the clock or just to burn calories, when I can just be in my body and in the moment, it allows me to truly clear my head and enter an almost meditative state where i can access creativity at a level i just can't any other way now does that mean i love every minute no way and i want to get into that little nuance about joyful movement and thinking that it has to be this state of perfect bliss every second that we're engaging with movement that's not what i mean so Since I took this long hiatus from running, I'm not going to lie, it's anything but easy at the moment. It's a challenge. I'm not near as fast as I used to be. I can't go near as far. I've got to take breaks sometimes to catch my breath or stretch. And like, it's hard sometimes. But it's a hard that I lovingly and graciously embrace because I know how good it makes me feel after It's a different relationship with hard because there's no need to prove myself or push through to achieve some external validation. It's a genuine desire to challenge myself so that I can improve my fitness and have more ease with running and have access to that meditative, creative feeling more often. And Gemma was kind of the same thing. It wasn't necessarily enjoyable when she felt out of breath and had sore calves while she was hiking, but it was a challenge or discomfort that she embraced because it gave her access to an amazing vacation experience. I mean, even my golfing experience this summer is a good example. I mean, I made a lot of bad shots that I was disappointed and frustrated about, But I had a blast going out every week and being with my friend and or my husband, whoever I was golfing with and and seeing that gradual progression and improvement in my game over time. So I hope that these examples have been helpful to get you thinking about your own self-talk and how that might be influencing your ability to experience joyful movement. I've got a few questions here that you can ask yourself and maybe journal on to get you started in looking at your movement mindset. Number one, what is your self-talk about movement? What kinds of things are you saying to yourself as you exercise or as you think about getting active? Hint, watch for that word should or I need to. Are you feeling like you need to fix or change or prove anything about yourself? That's a window into the self-talk that you might be thinking in your head. Number two, how do you feel when you talk to yourself this way? What emotion comes up when you say these kinds of things to yourself? If you're not sure, try saying one of your predominant thoughts aloud and then notice what sensations come up in your body. Is there a feeling of guilt, shame, or inadequacy? Is your not good enough voice being activated? Number three, how has this self-talk and these feelings been influencing your motivation or your exercise behavior? Are you avoidant? Are you disconnected from your body, pushing through the whole no pain, no gain mentality? Are you extra competitive like I was? And number four, what is the result of that behavior? Is it getting closer to the way that you want to feel about movement? Are you consistently moving and having fun doing so? Or are you dreading it and going deeper into self judgment? And lastly, If you've realized that your self-talk is not serving you, how might you begin to talk to yourself instead? How might you feel and what might be the outcome if you were to be a little kinder to yourself? I'd love to hear what you uncover as you think through these questions and do some journaling. So feel free to send me a DM on my social channels to let me know what came up for you. Okay, so to bring this all full circle, I got to tell you that after all this mindset work that I've done around competition, I think I'm ready to try out a race again. I say I think because this will be a real experiment for me to see if I can manage my self-talk and engage with training and competing from a mindset of I'm good enough and inherently worthy no matter what. So I signed up for a local trail race. It's called The Bad Thing, named after one of the especially rugged sections of the Maitland Trail where uh, the race takes place. It's 25 kilometers. And yeah, some of it's pretty intense. I've run bits and pieces of the trail and hiked the whole trail. There are lots of hills, rocks, roots, rivers. Oh my. So is it a stretch for me? A hundred percent. Do I worry if I won't be able to complete it? Yep. But at the same time, I want to try. Every year, I see the photos from this event and think it really looks so fun. And I have FOMO come up in me, fear of missing out. So this year, I want to give it a shot. Training for it, I figure, will get me out there working on my personal goal of running more and improving my fitness so that I can have more ease with running. So that's good. And the race itself is a good opportunity for me to see what my body is capable of when I respect it and listen to it and train with kindness, instead of always just pushing through and using willpower. Now, in terms of the distance, I know I'm not going to be ready to run the whole thing. Like that's just not going to happen. But I'm confident that I can hike that far. I've done that before. So my hope is that I'll complete the event in the five-hour time frame that's allotted. And I know that it's going to be a run-walk combo and that's okay. And if I have to walk and I don't make the time cut off, that's also okay. And even if for some reason I don't finish, that's okay. Because my overall goal is to stay in the joy. And my joy is not dependent on my performance. It's dependent on my self-talk. So that's my work. All right, so I'll leave you with that, and I'll keep you posted on my training. You can uh, follow my social stories, and I'll let you know when the race is over, how it went. Hopefully, this has got your wheels turning about your own self-talk around movement. I'll see you back here next Monday for more non-diet motivation, and in the meantime, you can keep in touch with me on my social channels at Radiant Vitality Wellness and. You can also join my new Facebook group, which is called the Joyful Movement Show Community. And in there, we dig deeper into these topics that I talk about on the podcast and have more discussion. And it's your chance to to share your own takeaways, questions, concerns, and interact together with me and the whole community. And then lastly, you can learn about my programs and how to work with me directly on my website, radiantvitality.ca. So I'll sign off for now, my friend, be well, and here's to your radiant vitality. Thanks for tuning in to the Power in Motion podcast today. Ready to drop your body image hang-ups so you can confidently create your healthiest, happiest life? Awesome. You can get started today by taking my five-day mini course, how to feel great in and about your body, no matter what the scale says. Inside this five-day video training, you'll learn how to get motivated to exercise, stop cravings and binge eating, set health goals beyond the scale, eat normally without rules or a plan, and accept your body. Find unshakable confidence, even if you don't love how you look. For just $27, you'll receive one under 10 minute video lesson per day for five days delivered straight to your inbox, reflection worksheets to help you integrate your learning, and links to bonus resources to go even deeper with the work. You can get started right now by visiting radiantvitality.ca slash five-day training. I'll see you inside.